continued to talk about it over the years. And uh, the big turning point for us was when our twins got their license and we didn't have to like part them everywhere all the time. And they were gonna be heading off to college and we still saw that need. And we thought, hey, should we start to really uh, put our head down and, and, and jump in? And we said, we're getting too old, so now we're not. Like either we're gonna right. do it or not. And so we jumped in and, um, and here we are today. Welcome to the Portland, Maine Business Podcast, the place to get ideas, insight, and strategies from professionals who are in the trenches building successful businesses. Here is your host, Shelby Turcott. Hey guys, I am here with Kate Griffin and John Keelan of Maggie Mays and Yarmouth, and they have a really interesting story. They're a, a food business, a food service business based out of Yarmouth. Um, who ironically started uh, just before the pandemic and uh, tried to navigate that or had to navigate that. Uh, but most importantly, I think from a business standpoint, they come from a very unique background. Uh, Kate grew up in Massachusetts where her dad owned some IGA stores. She ended up going into retail after college, um, had some various stints in HR, ultimately leading you back to Maine with Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, and then John, you spent 30, more than 30 years, I guess, as a, as a teaching corporate and executive chef. So you have the food side before you entered the world of finance, apparently for a brief spell due to kids, they will tend to uh, do those things to you in life. Um, and then you ended up moving to Maine, opened up Dutch Door Kitchen, doing some consulting and whatnot from the kitchen side of things. But eventually you guys ended up kind of pulling together and after, I guess, 20 plus years, um, kind of trying to go for it. Um, when, uh, when they're not around, I guess, when you're not cheering on your three kids, probably can find you guys outside trying to enjoy the, uh, the beauty of Maine. Um, so first off, welcome to the call. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Now I want you to start in because I think this is really important, right? Uh, we talked about this before the call, but you know, the, the interesting side of having a little bit of kind of a different life in a different, different world, professional world and then trying to transition that to maybe more of your passion, but perhaps for what you just felt was a, an open kind of area or open niche um, in terms of business with going to the food service side, right? You talked about how your, um, your passion for that kind of tried to blend, Kate, your background in business and, and John, your background in food. Can we, can we talk about how that kind of came to fruition and what that turning point was when I guess you met John at a cooking class. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I don't know, maybe 24 years ago or so now, um, I took a cooking class in New York City and uh, John was the uh, chef instructor. And um, as things happened, one thing led to another. And as we got together, um, we talked about, um, you know, how cool it would be for um, to blend our skills, as you said, together, John teaching and um, me, I was a, uh, a corporate buyer for housewares for a really long time and, um, you know, being able to offer students the equipment um, and being able to dress tables um, so that you could have this full um, food experience with your friends and family. And, uh, you know, then we had kids and uh, life goes in a different direction. And um, we had our daughter first and four years later we had twins. And um, that changed our life quite a bit. So we've talked about it as a family, um, both in New York and in Maine, 
how no matter um, how you try to get food on the table to feed your family, it's always difficult because everybody's schedule is so different. Their eating needs are so different. Uh, even with a chef in the house, that was difficult. So um, we always thought this was a real niche that you know we could help people with this um, navigation. But unfortunately, you know we just never had any time. But we continued to talk about it over the years. And uh, the big turning point for us was when our twins got their license and we didn't have to like cart them everywhere all the time and they were going to be heading off to college and we still saw that need and we thought hey should we start to really uh put our head down and 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 jump in and we said we're getting too old so now we're not like either we're going to do it or not and so we jumped in and um and here we are today that's a uh, that is a very real story, right? Having kids, kind of how life kind of goes, and and there's never a good time to do it. But ironically, you get pushed in certain directions based off of just obligations, and again, life in general. Um, now, I do want to ask. I want to start this off a little bit because you guys started obviously right before the pandemic, um, not too long, I guess maybe a handful of months, uh, and then you guys had to navigate that. It's scary. I will tell you, it's scary to start a business when it's kind of in your realm and it's it's what you want to do to begin with. It's probably even more scary when you're kind of changing careers and jumping careers even later in life. Um, and then on top of that, again, after whatever, four or five months, you guys are kind of boom, smack dab in the middle of a pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about one initially opening when we didn't really think there was going to be a pandemic? And then how scary that was, you know, kind of the, the mental hurdle, maybe more than anything. And then two, um, you know, because they're unknowns of business. And then two, what that started to look like by the time you hit early last year, because obviously I think your game plan changed a little bit, um, you know, very quickly, right? When you're kind of trying to get on your feet. So maybe you can talk about the two different perspectives in general, one going into it, uh, normal life, and then two, all of a sudden, boom, we hit March and it's like, okay, we got to figure this out. Right. So, you know, opening any business, I think people have, have a plan and, you know, we set our dates, of, you know, we're going to have construction start and then finish and then we'll open. And because construction was part of that, you know, it all slid back. We had hoped to be open before Thanksgiving. We ended up opening before Christmas. So we felt that we had kind of lost a month. Um, having that in our sights, you know, we still kind of bought and prepared for the holidays. Um, and, you know, our daughter was at the time, I guess, a sophomore in college and she was uh, she was going to school in Canada. And uh, she really drove a lot of our decisions. Um, you know, you have to have a, an online ordering system. You have to have a, a purchase, point of purchase system that allows you to tap. Um, so a lot of the stuff that became really crucial for us early in the pandemic was, uh, in place when we started we were we had the ability to um have people order online and and kind of be, do it all touchless so that was really great we were always uh committed to being um sustainable in our packaging so we had ordered all of that to start um and our menu uh because we were kind of focused on helping families get through a busy week everyone does their purchasing and their shopping and you know they have their meal planning for the week and then tuesday happens and practice ran late or you have a your your meeting at the office ran late so we know how that goes so we all we had very simple foods that 
can help families get through that. Roasted chickens, macaroni and cheese, jambalayas, things like that. So a lot of that stuff was in place. And when uh, everything started to slide south, um, we just doubled down on all of it. And you know that was our mission to start. So that's that was the lane that we really dug into. The change for us was that our lunch business largely disappeared. And we had planned on, you know, we're on Route 1, so there are like 7,000, there were 7,000 folks working along the Route 1 corridor here. And uh, suddenly everybody's working three feet from their refrigerator and they don't necessarily need a lunch spot. Um, so that changed a lot for us. Um, you know, we it, it kind of took us an entire year to sell a case of coffee that we had gotten from Carabasa because we just, you know, that business just went away, so. But I'm going to dial back a little bit more just from a perspective of learning for people. So when we decided to make the, to, to jump in both feet, we um, um, we decided to do it. And then I said, you know what, before we do anything, we need to call SCORE and we get we got to get a mentor. So we got a mentor through SCORE um, as I was writing the business plan and we were meeting with them every single week. And so, you know, one of the biggest shout outs I have for anybody going in business is to really capitalize on getting that kind of help because mm -hmm. the more you think through your business, you will never open the door and do exactly what that business plan says. But the more that you can think through and um, kind of have a plan for every single aspect of it and to be thoughtful about it um, was key. And like John said, our daughter was uh, influencing us on, you know, when she was in college in Montreal, you know, having a tap, you know, people didn't want to, you know, put their credit credit card anywhere. They wanted to tap and, you know, tapping wasn't available at that time, you know, but we put it in our business plan that that's what ideally we wanted to do. Um, so I just want to be able to have people know that, you know, it takes a lot of planning. And there was so many times through that process. Now I will tell you, we made a decision to do this in February and we opened our doors in December, which, you know, score was like, whoa, you know, that was incredibly fast to get right. a space, to get a contractor, to, you know, get equipment, to do all of this stuff. And to us, we didn't know it was fast. To us, it was slow, you know, right. because we just right. needed to get in business. Well, I, I knew it was fast, but, you know, if you want something done, give it to a busy woman. So, <laughs> so yeah. I, you know, just, from a perspective of just having people have um, an end-to-end, -end, um, some knowledge about what it takes to do it, that piece of writing that plan and, and having some you know professional advice along the way was crucial for us. Yeah, SCORE was, was fundamental in getting us going and keeping us on target. And so that, yeah, when the pandemic did happen, they were also another resource, you know, they were tapped into the national, you know, small, uh, business. small business community and could say, hey, you know what, try this, try that. And they even had the demographics to say who wasn't making it, who wasn't going to, you know, get through and what, what you needed to do. So um, I just really want that to that message out there to people going in business that, you know what, you can think of, you can think you think of everything but you don't think of everything. And so having some right. help is, is a good thing. Absolutely. Um, and then, yeah. And then as John said, you know what, um, did we have to pivot? We really didn't have to pivot. We had our to go packaging in place. We had our online ordering. The big thing was, you know, we decided amongst ourselves that, you know, we were small. We didn't have a lot of employees. Everybody went home. John and I could run this. 
we stayed open. We said, we think that we're essential because we're feeding people. And there was a large community of people who were still afraid in the beginning to go to the grocery store and get their food. So as John said, we lost our lunch business, but it was that dinner business. People would, would order online um, and pick up outside. And you know they didn't have to go to the grocery store. And so we became kind of a grocery store for your five meals. And so, um, you know, that was just the biggest adoption we had. And the pivot, the only pivot that we had for our business is we had to buy more refrigeration because we hadn't planned on doing that many meals. So that was it. When everybody was trying to retool and get packaging and, you know, figure out, you know, if you're a restaurant, how to get in that. Rewriting their menu. Yeah. Right. That were issues for us. And so that was lucky, you know, that yeah. we had yeah, I, I want to I want to go a little bit more into that because I think that is like you said probably a key point and maybe honestly I'm not going to say kept you in business but probably it was a key point for you to being able to focus on delivering like how do we get this to consumers versus like oh man like we need to go back and we need to redo packaging and we don't have meals to go and we haven't prepped this for this. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about? You know, you, you had told me before that you, you kind of tried to keep things small, right? A little more minimalistic in terms of not only um, probably not only the menu and kind of the preparation piece, but equipment, staff. Can you talk a little bit about that and kind of where your mentality was? Because obviously, John, you had a lot of cooking experience. So maybe that factored in. Um, Kate, maybe the background in terms of being on the buying side and understanding that a little bit in business. But can you talk about why you went in so minimalistic? Was it a purely a financial decision? Was it a, wow, we don't really need that. Let's spend our money here. Like what kind of led to that starting point? Um, and again, minus the refrigeration, I guess it really probably didn't change a whole lot during the, uh, during the pandemic. So in my background um, for 20 some odd years, I was um, uh, in HR and for some large corporations. And so what was not new to me is the fact that there was a labor shortage and there's been a labor shortage for a number of years. And so um, our business we knew was small, but we bought certain equipment that was going to make it easier in the kitchen to actually produce some of the food. Um, and from it was like from slicing and dicing kind of perspective. So John wasn't sitting with his knife, you know, we could put something through a machine. Um, the other, so that's the that was the back of the house the front of the house um we invested in an online ordering system and we anticipated that it would take six to maybe 12 months for adoption because we were the only ones in the area that were doing that and we knew that customer adoption was just going to take time people were used to calling on the phone and if you go to other establishments they have five and six people answering the phone they have four and five lines so that they can take those orders and for us we were like, you know what, it's going to take time, but we want to be on the front of this. So we're going to get the system. And I got to tell you, it took two months. We went from as soon as that pandemic hit, we were 100% online. There was no, nothing coming in through our point of sale system. We had two systems. We had a point of sale and we had an online ordering system that were not linked at that point. Um, and that was a lucky day for us. Can you... Uh, and I think I think that's key. And I said this to um, somebody on a call a while back. I said, you know, I think the pandemic more than anything probably sped up some of the change that was coming about. Like you said, you know, versus 
Uh, I think businesses that were prepared and kind of forecasting out a little bit, kind of, hey, here's the direction it's going, were in a much better position to kind of navigate. And like you said, probably had to pivot a little bit less or maybe not even at all. Um, But the one thing you did mention is, you know, trying to acquire customers, right? Like all of a sudden now, you know, great, you're on route one, but nobody's on route one, right? Everybody's at home. Uh, Can you talk about the branding and marketing piece? One, I want to know, you know, when you first opened in December, what were you thinking? What were you trying to do? And then again, all of a sudden you hit, you know, March, April, May, how has, if at all, how has your strategy changed in terms of trying to position yourself? Is it, hey, we're really trying to survive? Is it, wow, this is a long play if we can survive X number of months or a year, we're okay, so let's keep playing the long game. Um, you know, what did you do and where did you go? When we when we're getting ready to open, um, and again, working with SCORE and, you know, kind of bucketing all of our expenses and projecting out, Kate, we were interviewing um, design firms and, you know, my background in the kitchen, you know, I'm, I'm ready to like take a piece of paper and write on with red crayon what the menu is and call it a day. Um, and Kate's, Kate's vision of what the front of house looked like um, was really important. And we found a design firm in town um, that supported that. You know, we interviewed a couple of places and found one that we, we really kind of fell in love with. They've been really crucial to our, our imaging um, and it's consistent and really appropriate across the board to a point where we've had customers come in and ask if we were part of a chain because it looks polished enough that it, we don't come off as a mom and pop shop. So in a lot of ways, we end up punching above our weight with our website, with the online ordering and with our branding. But with that said, you know what? We thought, okay, so that's what you have to do for marketing. And SCORE said, you know, the only thing I see in your business plan is how much money you've allocated for marketing. And we were like, well, if it's really nice and the food is really good and our branding is really good, if then you build it, they will come. everybody's going to come here. It's going to be fine. Those you know? We don't need to have <laughs> like, you know, we don't have to worry about that too much. We're good. But in, in the end, you know, we've ended up advertising on the radio because when, you know, I turn the radio on when I get to work every day and when the pandemic hit, I noticed that a lot of restaurant ads disappeared from the radio. So I had Kate call one of the local radio groups and say, you know, are you running any specials? Um, and they were like, no, 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 we're not. And then two weeks later, they called us back and said, you know what? Small businesses, food businesses, we want to support you. So here's the deal. So we've been on the radio. We've been in, you know, print. Um, we've done what we, we can to get our name out there. But, you know, when they say, they say, you know, building a personal habit takes 90 days. I think for a community to develop a habit to come to your shop takes a lot longer. So in the in the early part of the pandemic and you know things weren't great and we're you know we're struggling to get through weeks and we're sitting here looking at one another for hours with no customers you know kate kept saying you know if we can just get ourselves to april you know april of 2021 and um it really is about the long play but i'm going to stop you a little bit on just to get back to that marketing so the other piece that was a real challenge and and again i'm trying to um keep this in a perspective of learning for other people um, is social media. So what does that mean? Everybody says, you know, you got to be on social media. And, you know, I was like, what does that mean? I'm on social media. And so I would spend countless hours 
um, looking at what everybody was doing just to kind of go, what does it mean to be on social media? And, you know, taking our own pictures and taking pictures of the food and, Best you know, practices. and trying to get to, um, you know, is this going to help drive drive customers in here? I don't know. You know, I just have to keep doing it. And, um, right. you know, but then one day um, we were fortunate enough, we, we partner we tried to partner with as many local businesses as possible. So we had Toots ice cream early on, you know, and that was a real big hit. Everybody in the town was happy you could get Toots in the wintertime. Um, and farm to table kids uh, cuts their romaine in the morning, brings it over. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's in our, in our, uh, our uh, menu that day. Um, and so farm to table kids one day dropped off produce and I put it up on social media that we had the salad available. And um, at the end of the day, we were closing. We were still outside, no contact. This person calls on the phone, wants the salad that they saw online. And, you know, we were closed, but I made the salad. I gave it to her. And, you know, she goes to her car and she takes a picture of the salad and she puts it up online. What I didn't know is that she was a major influencer. And I didn't know what a major influencer was. And, you know, she's got 128,000 followers. And suddenly, I can't stop selling that salad. And that was my first insight into like, oh my God, look at the power of social media. You just need somebody to say, I got the salad and it was great. But how do you have those home runs all the time, you know? And how do you build up followers to come to you? And, you know, Fast forward a year and a half later, that is a regular customer of ours. And only last week she came in and she bought something. And I mentioned that the radishes were from farm to table kids and her kids go to that camp and they harvested those radishes. And she was so excited that she went online and within two hours, 70 more followers were following Maggie Mays. And people were then coming in and saying, and, and we always say, how did you find us? And she said, well, you know, I follow this influencer. And I was like, holy mackerel, right? All these countless right. powers, right? And so what I'm really realizing, John and I talk about it all the time, is it really is this time in, you know? It's about, it's not going to happen in that first day. And, you know, we've only been in business for, you know, a year and a half. And we're... The more people that come in and talk about us and go online and say, I was there, they had good food, that is what's growing the business. So even in that point of, of SCORE saying, ah, I think you've got to put more money into this. And SCORE has been really great about getting us um, mentors that are um, social, yeah, real subject matter experts in this. and. You know, we're doing all the things that they say to do, and it's really about kind of that time in and that acquisition. So um, it starts, it feels like a match has been lit just recently. You know, more and more people are coming in, more and more people are hearing about us. Our gift sales are really, you know, took a big spike, which to me is a real nod to, okay, people are trusting us a little bit. We we went from making less food every week and selling less food every week as the pandemic kind of dug in and then it picked up again and having to learn how to adjust to that 
Um, you know, and it's just the two of us because really we didn't have anybody else. So we're too small to fail. Um, you know, and we've left our job, so we've burned the boats, right? We're, we're all in. Um, so now for the last, I don't know, the last six, eight months, every month it's gotten a little bit better, a little bit better, but that growth has been sustainable. You know, it's never been like we've doubled sales or tripled sales and, and lost sight of quality or the, the, the interpersonal relationship that we have with people, the, the ability to look folks right. in the eye. So it's growing and it's growing in a real sustainable way, which is great to see. You know, it, really what's happened is that the COVID year was just kind of a wash. And like you said, um, it forced, forced us to learn a bunch of lessons really quick. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say I'm grateful for it, but uh, we're trying to make the lemonade out of it all, you know? Right. And I, you know, you, that the two points I think you mentioned right there, one I think is really looking at it like long-term. And I think a lot of times people get into business and they assume that there's going to be this, you know, wow, we, we doubled our revenue in, in one month. It was this magic bullet that we did, um, you know, and if they're not all of a sudden, you know, a huge multiplier in terms of financial numbers is going through that they're like really struggling when I think a lot more, it's a lot more like playing a game of baseball where you're trying to hit a bunch of singles, you're trying to get some walks, you're trying to move people through the bases. I say to Kate all the time, it's just about hitting those singles. You know, we're exactly. Not we're just looking for those little chippers that like get it, get on base. Just yep. keep on base. Yep. Kate's great about, you know, the roast chicken, you know, doing a, a roast chicken dinner. Um, it's something that everybody appreciates. They know what that is. It, it's not really challenging. You can feed it to your grandmother, you can feed it to your kids. Um, and, and we've been, they sell. And it, it takes less production to roast a chicken than it is to make a shepherd's pie. Right. 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 You know, Absolutely. The, you know, what you're paying for largely is the fact that somebody else did all the work for you. Right. You, you, you never make French fries at home. You go out for French fries because it's messy and, and you know, whatever. Um, so for us, we've kind of embraced that. You know, and we're talk, I was talking to Kate this morning, a lot of what I've learned about cooking right now in this context here is just checking my ego at the door when I come in. Would I love to do chefy food and, you know, all of that stuff that I grew up cooking in the business, you know, consommes? Yeah, but that's not who we are. That's not what people are looking for. Um, it really is about really well-prepared, simple foods. And yeah. that's been successful for us so far. Absolutely. Uh, you did mention before, you know, probably you could probably point to a lot of lessons you've learned in the last year, but you know, you did, you did mention one uh, very valuable lesson I want to bring to the forefront. You know, I think two things, one, you made the decision, you said early on, you either kind of close the doors and hunker down or you're like, okay, we're in this, we're going to stay open. You know, like you mentioned earlier, you guys obviously chose to stay open. You continued to kind of um, I don't want to say like invest in yourself, but you're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to swing, right? We're not going to stand up there and see what happens. We're going to swing and see if we can put the ball in play. Um, and then you guys ended up in a relationship with cooking for community. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, how it came about, uh, what it was, how you believe it was beneficial? Um, you know, I don't know how much you think it factored into that last year, but can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that probably did you know, if nothing else, shape your vision in terms of like how you kind of looked at things moving forward. But can you talk about that? 
Sure. So, you know, there was a, there was a slow day and I was, uh, <laughs> I was looking on social media and I was trying to figure out what was going on. You know, I'm looking for the forecast out there of, you know, what's happening in the world. And, um, and actually I saw, you know, we're a big admirer of uh, Matt from Gather. And I saw that Matt actually had posted that he was making meals for cooking for community. And I said, John, what's cooking for community? So we have no idea. So I, you know, yeah. looked up cooking for community and see that it's this grassroots movement of raising money and paying restaurants to make food for the foods insecure of the area. So I called them and, you know, our background uh, coming from New York City, I was the director of a, um, um, a soup kitchen that fed over a thousand people a week. And, um, and, you know, John worked there as well. And so, you know, this was part of our, our DNA and um, it fit right into our mission. So, you know, I called them and um, we were their seventh business partner, their seventh restaurant um, to, to join them. And starting in May um, of that year of 2020, we did a hundred meals every single week. And what happens with cooking for community is they go and they raise money and they pay the food costs on those hundred meals. And then they give us $5 for every meal that we make. And so it allowed us to use our brand spanking new kitchen, make good food and get it to people who needed it. And our food went from, you know, Pinelands to the YMCA to, um, Portland to, um, you know, anybody who needed food and, um, that. So, so Jan Mallon and, and the whole group at, uh, cooking for community figured that, you know, if a restaurant's closed, that economic nexus is blocked. So farmers aren't getting money. The staff isn't getting paid people. You know, so he managed to kind of rethink Ellie. that and, and, um, put it to good use as well. So, um, that's been tremendous for us. And, and we certainly aren't the only restaurant that's um, been involved or benefited from it. But what so. that did for us is it paid our rent. Yeah. You know, and so it wasn't that we made money, we were able to keep our lights on. So we were able to use that money, pay our rent. And because we didn't have a staff, it was the two of us. And, you know, we weren't getting paid, but you know what, we could open our door every day. Our kids were now all home um, and, and, working remotely, we could come up to the shop, be as safe as could be, um, handle the customers that needed some attention from us, but we had this other time. So I would say in this last year and a half of working with Cooking for Community, we've done over 6,000 meals. Uh, we continue to do that. Um, we think that the best surprise of it all is that we put it out on our social media that we were doing this. And so the people that were our customers were actually supporting it. So we said, hey, listen, we're not gonna tape any tips. If you wanna tip us, then go give money to Cooking for Community because Cooking for Community is paying us. So you know what, if you wanna be in that circle. And so people were doing that. And so that bridged um, a connection with the community which I think was in hindsight, one of the luckiest days for us because we got to feed people and be part of that, but our customers then got to be part of that. And in a time when that pandemic was, you know, if you saw when you turn on the TV, the lines of people trying to get food 
and the desperation that was going on and to know that we could be a very small part of that, but that we could do that. Um, I think that let our community here know what our mission was and who we are. And I think that, you know, no amount of branding and no amount of, of advertising could have ever delivered that give back, you know, the give back that we had and the, the give back that the community goodwill, yeah. and the goodwill that the community had toward us. And I think that, um, you know, that's when we saw our big spikes in, um, in, in people buying gift cards from us. You know, they really, they wanted to support us. And, and you know, a lot of, a lot of places went into the whole gift card thing. Um, and for us, we saw it as a, a vote of confidence. If somebody was gonna buy a gift card from us, and it, it was, what I saw it as is that they were willing to bet that we were gonna be here in a couple of weeks, a couple of months down the line. Um, and as we went into fourth quarter and we got ready for Christmas, you know, people were buying them for, you know, their neighbors, for their teachers, for their kids' teachers and stuff. And that was really, really great. And also what came out of that is uh, in December, uh, we were named Business to Watch in 2021 by the uh, Yarmouth Chamber of Commerce. And, you know, that was like amazing, you know, because that whole year was just, you know, our heads hurt from thinking because it was, you were reinventing your business every minute of every day. It wasn't that you were like going, what's the plan for this month? Let's you know, it's like, you know, how are we going to get this to go? You know, so it really right. was a constant thing. And then to get that nod from the town was great. And then that perpetuated people to then support us even more because they saw, they that. saw that, you know, the community now has given us this little plaque um, and so, you know, then that put a lot of pressure on us going, oh my God, how do we do the next year? You know, but, um, but, you know, I can't say enough about cooking for community. It is something that, um, no matter how, how busy we get, and hopefully we get, you know, continue to get busier and busier, we will find a way to support that organization because that organization supported us at a time that was, was critical. And it will be a long time that people are still hungry. And Absolutely. for as long as that is uh, an issue, we want to be part of that. Yeah. And I think, you know, to the point you just said, you, you've, you've talked, uh, you know, you've mentioned it in terms of just the preparation of food from a sim simplicity standpoint. I think even like, the, you know, the branding and kind of what you stand for talking about, you know, community and understanding again, maybe the biggest piece is understanding that people's lives are busy, right? And forever changing, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's kids sporting events, whatever it is, and trying to have, you know, good, simple food that you can kind of go to. Um, I, I tell people, look, like, you know, food, nutrition, business in general, the complexity of everything is, it can be absolutely overwhelming, even in normal times. Um, I want you, we always try to, you know, kind of, kind of work this back toward, again, adding value to people. If you're giving somebody advice, and I don't know, maybe it's somebody trying to change careers, maybe it's somebody that kind of already has something, you know, maybe they have a business, they're struggling to get off the ground. Um, advice you would give to those people, because you, interesting, you know, interestingly enough, you guys have a little bit of kind of a different perspective, right? Like you have a corporate background, you've been in a bigger city, you're now in a smaller community. At the same time, now you're entrepreneurs, right? You own um, a small business, uh, what advice would you give to somebody if they want to start exploring 
business. Again, maybe it's a passion that they have. Maybe it's something they've already started. Is there a, a simple piece of advice you would give? Maybe you've already touched on it. Maybe you just want to kind of round back to it. Um, if you could kind of simplify that. I don't know. I think, you know, I, th I think it's, you know, it's the, this, so for us, the struggle to feed our, not to struggle, but you know, we, challenges. the challenges to feed our family in a busy day, that small aspect of it is the larger aspect of it. You know, that's, that's a common thing. Um, and, and to illustrate that in another way, um, we were not able to go visit friends and family last Thanksgiving and last Christmas. So to get, as we were getting into Thanksgiving, we made a batch of cookies and sent them out to a bunch of our friends in, in New York. York, just like, you know, happy Thanksgiving, hope you're well, sorry we can't be there, stay safe. One of them uh, was a retired oral surgeon and wrote back and said, you know, this is great. Can you send me, can you send a bunch of these cookies up to so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And we thought, well, hey, you know, maybe, maybe we'll throw that out to the community up here. Do you need some corporate gifts? Do you want to send some stuff to your friends and family? And how many dozen cookies? We did a hundred dozen cookies in three weeks in December sent all over the United States. And wow. so, you know, I, I think what the, the, so I had Popeye arms from scooping <laughs> cookie dough for, for a couple of weeks. the but thing I is it, it was, it was a personal thing that started it, right? It was a small item, but it had a universal appeal. So I also think that, you know what, to that, to that exact point, if there's something that you're passionate about, you know, the biggest thing I think about being an entrepreneur is about listening and, and what it is that people want. And, you know, as John said, you know, part of going into business is checking your ego at the door. You know, it's not about, I make the best food. It's about what is the best thing for our customer. And when a customer says, you know what, hey, can you send cookies? We're gonna say yes. And that meant that I had to find a box. I had to get a, a deal with FedEx. I had to, you know, how were they going to get there fresh? How was our brand going to get? But you know what? You just go through the work to get that done. You don't go, no, we don't do that, That's right? So it's about listening. Um, also, early on, we started listening to people say, I have different kinds of needs. I need dairy-free. I need gluten-free. I need... Uh, vegan. I need vegetarian. And we didn't go, we don't do that food. We went, oh my gosh, let's find some recipes and let's get it out there. And you know what? Let's tag that on our marketing that that's what we do. And that has brought a whole other subset of um, business customers. and customers because we're now being inclusive of what people's needs are. So I think, you know, the the nugget here is it's really about, you know, identifying a need, checking your ego, listening, and being able to flex fast. You know, that, that cookie business, we had people that we sell cookies every single month. We have subscriptions. People did cookie subscriptions. And we're about to kind of, you know, check our list twice and say who, you know, let's get ready for this year and what we're gonna do. That was never in our business model, ever. Um, but you know what? This is a time where everybody's scrambling for business. And you know what? This is about our food, right? It's good food. Right. So how do we get it out into the people that need it? And if it means, you know, two-day FedEx, that's what it, that's what we do. Yeah, you, you make what I couldn't agree with more. Uh, and I had somebody, I had a client who owns a business say this to me once. They said, you know, um, very similar thing. They said, 
you know, I, I always, I always said yes. I never said no. And once I said yes, I tried to figure out how I could get it done. Right. Um, and I, you know, I think, you know, John hinted to it kind of early, like, Hey, you're checking the ego at the door. You mentioned in terms of like, wow, I, you know, I, I stayed late and I got this ready and come to find out that was a huge turning point where I, I made this salad and got it out the door. Um, those things, again, kind of hitting those singles, I think, you know, those add up. I can tell you from my perspective, the exact same thing where you realize if you're doing something with a perfect pur purpose and you're, you're serving the customer, it starts to become bigger than, you know, wow, we closed two minutes ago. Um, or that's inconvenient for me to do, so I won't do it. It's more of like, how can I get this done? How can I help them? Um, and I think that's a huge thing that, again, for you guys, especially like branding over time, right, is going to continually add up. Um, when you start to talk about the quality of the food and solving a problem with the convenience of the food um, and everything else, it absolutely kind of compounds itself. Yeah, you know, I'd love to be able to make it to everything that we make here, everything that we sell here to be made here. That's just not practical. So we've been really careful about the folks that we partner with. We've tried to keep it local. Um, and for whatever reason, it's it's often a, another uh, woman-owned business, um, which is great. Um, you know, and it's part of our, I, I don't know that it's a real conscious part of our branding, but it's a big part of who we are. Um, you know, it's a salad bar. That's, that's not, you know, a smash burger kind of thing. Uh, so, it pulls in a certain clientele, it pulls in the moms and women more often than not. And uh, those are the nurturers, those are the people who are feeding the family. So we're trying to pay attention to that, speak to that, um, and, and work with our our neighborhood, work with our community. Um, and that's that has been part of the DNA of the business since we started. And I think you were a recipient of some food, right, from us, so. Absolutely. You know, we had somebody come in yesterday and you know what, whether it's a newborn baby or somebody has passed away or somebody has a family that, you know, is in need, you know, we sell this chicken dinner box, you know, and it's a chicken, it's a salad, it's roasted vegetables, it's some dessert and it's all in one bag and somebody can, you know, deliver cookies. And I think that, you know, tying back to the community, the community has had such incredible heart for watching out for each other. We have sold so many of those chicken bags and, you know, people call all the time and say they want to give food to somebody. And we say, well, we got this little chicken box, you know, and they go, oh, that's like perfect. And they pick up this one thing and they deliver it. And you know what that feels like in your busy life and whatever, whatever season of your life that you're in, to have somebody be able to give you that good food. You know, we love being that, you know, that channel yeah. for that absolutely absolutely and i i have a good feeling about you guys and again firsthand from um receiving one some cookies maybe i shouldn't say that being in the training business but one some cookies and two a whole bunch of pre-made meals in a in a in a gift card to get more um it's it's fantastic so i can applaud you for that uh now finish it up um i want to do a little bit of rapid fire so hopefully you are ready um, okay. Kate, John, you guys ready? Yeah, ready. All right, simple and easy. We'll go through it quickly. One, best meal that you guys serve? Chicken and sausage jambalaya. Jambalaya. Favorite smells? Jambalaya. Brownies. Do you listen to music while you work? All the yes. time. Yes. What kind of music? Um, since we advertise on uh, local radio, that's what we listen to. Can I mention the... Uh, 
station. Sure, go for it. WCLZ in Portland. Perfect. Um, each of you describe yourself in three words. I gotta think, you wanna go? <laughs> I'm the bald, grumpy chef. <laughs> Kate? Um, easy, flexible, and uh, attentive. Last one. If you guys were stranded on a deserted island, one thing you would want to have? Jambalaya. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, jambalaya. That's good. Perfect. <laughs> um, awesome having you guys on. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find out more about you, and then we'll make sure to uh, get all that information up on the site as well. Oh, I want to change my answer. Hold on. I want a ukulele full of jambalaya. <laughs> Perfect. We're at 374 U.S. Route 1, and you can find us at www.maggiemaysmain.com, and you can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Perfect. Uh, appreciate you guys coming on. Appreciate you sharing your story, and uh, thank you for all the insight. Thank you Thanks. so much. Appreciate it. Come on in and say hi. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please take the time to leave us a review as it helps us connect with more like-minded people just like yourself. For more information on the show, its guests, or to listen to more podcasts, make sure to check us out on iTunes at Portland Maine Business Podcast, as well as online at PortlandMainBusinessPodcast.com.